Hello, and welcome to Talking Teletherapy, a weekly webinar and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com, where we dive into the ins and outs of teletherapy for speech pathologists. Each episode of Talking Teletherapy is worth 0.1 ASHA CEU when you complete the accompanying webinar on SpeechTherapyPD.com. Please visit SpeechTherapyPD.com backslash teletherapy for more information about earning ASHA CEUs along with this podcast. I'm your host this week, Michelle Dawson, the All Things P's SLP, also the host of First Bite, Fed, Fun, and Functional, a speech therapy podcast that's also sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com and also eligible for 0.1 ASHA CEUs per episode. This week, we are covering an exciting topic, and I am excited that you are joining us for another rendition of Talking Teletherapy. So let's get right to it. So we're going to make a switch from the technical know-how of how to host a teletherapy session to the equally challenging, how do I keep the little ones engaged for the session portion of this evening. But y'all, let's face it, for some of our wiggly patients, it's difficult under the best of face-to-face circumstances to keep them engaged for the a duration of a speech therapy session. And we are not at all on our best. We're all working from home with our furry dogs in the background and kids running around. Um, honestly, I'm trying to hold a teletherapy session in my kitchen so that our young boys are within line of sight or earshot as they're tiny daredevils. And I can't really trust them alone at five and seven. And that's the best that I can do given my current circumstance. And we all have different circumstances. So the resources that I have at hand to keep my patients engaged are what fits around my kitchen table or I can pull up on a screen share. For some sessions, it's been great, especially with respect to my parent coaching. That's, this has been awesome for parent coaching. But for others, it's been a beautiful disaster due to my rookie mistakes because I'm still figuring all this out. And that's okay because we're all rookies right now. Well, except for our amazing guest, the fabulous Carrie Clark, founder of Speech and Language Kids and the SLP Solution. This lady, who's also a boy mom of tiny um, daredevils, has the experience and the know-how and is here tonight to share and inspire. So Carrie, a huge thank you to you and your hubby for the support to make this power hour come to fruition. So how are you? And thank you, lady. I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Yes. I love your hat. This is Thank you. You like this? So if you're if you're just joining us on um, a recording later and you're only hearing audio, I have a beautiful hat on. And I seem to have lost my Sky dog. Do you know where Sky is? I can't find her anywhere. She's, She's on, on. <laughs> she on my head? There she is. I was looking for her all day. All right, I'm actually gonna take the hat off because it shadows my, my eyes and then you can't see me. But that's one of my fun tips to try to get your kids engaged as soon as you hop on is put on a silly hat and put something on your head and tell them you can't find it. Uh, your hair is beautiful. You look great. <laughs> Thanks. 
Oh my gosh, that's that's fantastic. I um I have not tried the um the hat trick, but I have tried um paint buckets on my head. And one of my okay. girlfriends posted um chatterbugs. She posted one of a colander. She was playing with a colander with kids. And I was like, <laughs> you know you work in peds when you're sitting around with a colander on top of your head. Right? Yeah. But I mean, I can tell you from experience, my three-year-old hopped on a Zoom call with his teacher and he didn't talk for about 20 minutes of this call. Like he just was like, I don't know. I'm not talking to you. Like, why are you on my computer? It, he was totally weirded out. But like, if you can really get them engaged and get them laughing and like have them like tell you there's something silly on your head, then you've broken down that barrier right away and you can move into the rest of your session. Yes. Nice. Nice. Okay. So we have um, the last hour we did all in the technical know-how of Zoom. Um, which, um, fun, fabulous fail fact, we didn't realize that the bottom icons were not captured. So oh. his life, there yeah. we go. Um, but there was actually embedded within there a lot of functional questions that correlated to like, what do we do for like our little wiggly kids? How do we get them engaged? Um, and so that's kind of tonight. So what's the first thing that we need to do on our teletherapy sessions with young children and or children that have especially the population that I deal with. They have like severe and profound disabilities um, or they have a lot of attention problems. Um, so, help. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, so the first thing that I strongly, strongly recommend, and I recommend this especially right now, but really anytime, is like start with a check-in with the parent. Like, tell the mom, like, hey, I want you on first. Like, if you can't get your kid to sit here for our 30-minute session, let him go play. I want to talk to you. Get the mom, the dad, whoever is the caregiver, get them on and just start asking them, how are you doing? Like, are you okay? Because nobody is okay right now, guys. Nobody is okay. <laughs> I had one mom hide in her at-home gym. Um, she, she goes, I'm, I'm sitting on my bench press and we're just going to talk here. He's mm -hmm. in the hallway and I need just a few minutes to decompress and to talk to you about what's going on. And like, you could hear... Mom, I'm better now. <laughs> and I was like, I feel you right now. I got you. So um, do you want to hear a, a true story? Yesterday, yeah. I was doing that. I was hiding in a room with the door locked because I was like, I just got to breathe and calm myself down before yeah. I like deal with my children because I was too angry. Uh, they came with an end table. Like they worked together. It's the first time my kids have ever worked together. They came with an end table and used it as a battering ram against the door. <laughs> So yeah, we're all there, guys. We're all there. Your sons are three and six. Yep. Yeah. To my five and seven. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. So yeah, that's where I say start is start with the check-in every time because things are changing daily for all of us. Start with the check-in and say, are you okay? What is your biggest challenge right now? And try to think back to grad school. Hopefully you had this in grad school where we, we learned Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where we have... Uh, your basic, you know, survival needs at the bottom. And as you go up the hierarchy, you have to get all of your basic needs met before you're at the point where you're ready to learn. And if our families don't have food, they're not sure if they're going to be able to pay for the next set of groceries, if they haven't paid rent, and they're just hoping that the landlord doesn't kick them out, those needs are going to supersede needing to work on vocabulary development or you know, whatever, whatever speech things that we want to work on with our kiddos, those, those things aren't going to happen if the family's basic needs aren't met. 
Um, and if the kid's basic needs aren't met, if the kid is having all kinds of behavior problems because they're out of whack, they're in this weird routine, they don't really understand what's happening, but they're picking up on all of our stress, um, then, then we're not at working on CVC words. You know, that's not where we are. We are working on how can we help this family survive right now? And I'm not saying we all need to become social workers. But I do think that we have more connections to resources than those families do. So if you hop on with a mom and you say, what's your biggest challenge? And she says, I just don't, we need food. We just need food. You can find a resource for her to get her food that she might not know exists. Or if she says, oh my gosh, like the behaviors, like he's using it, the, the table as a battering ram. <laughs> what do I do? Then you can say, you know what? I know a fabulous behavior specialist. I'm going to have her hop on a call with us or I'm going to connect you with her. So you're connecting them with the resources that they need to get to that point where they are ready to work on those CVC words. Cause I think this is going to take a while. So we are going to get to the point where these families are ready to work on stuff and maybe they're ready now. Maybe their biggest worry is my kid's speech has regressed. This is stressing me out. Help me with this. And then you're like, I'm all in. Let's go. <laughs> But you got to start with the check-in. I've had a lot of feeding kiddos that have regressed because they're not in there. Yeah, that's okay. So one of my favorite resources for when we're doing the check-in, I like to go back to the pediatrician or whoever the referral was, because often the physician knows the safety, the food safety networks in the community. So um, now I understand that if you're in the public schools, some folks can't reach out to the pediatrician. Yeah. But school nurse, your school nurse can be your, your hero and, yep. and lean in from there. Um, yep. and in or the school psych, the school psych is another good one yeah. to reach out to because they a lot of times have those social worker type connections that they can access. Yeah. So there's, there's that. Yeah. But that's honestly a new one. I haven't, I haven't done therapy hiding out on a bench press, much less do I own a bench press. So like, <laughs> She's like 40 and fit and hot. And I'm like, Hey, look, I got a new jiggle in my wiggle. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. Pandemic 15. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, <laughs> so, all right. So I've had, I've had a couple of kids that, um, and I don't do therapy down here, but this is the quietest room in my house is my basement. And I was like, I can either lecture down here or I can lecture in the chaos. So we are hiding in my basement. But um, when I do therapy, I have had to change and I use a white wall behind me, which are my laundry doors, because I have a lot of kiddos that have cortical vision impairments. And then some kids, it's so bland, they're not engaging. And so they're there for a little bit of direct and then they bolt and then they come back and then they bolt. And I desperately want to keep my wiggly kiddos engaged so that I have the opportunity to do coaching with mom on how to do the direct services, but they're faster. <laughs> Amen. You can't grab them. I know I can't deep pressure and then like do joint compressions like the OT showed me or do like weighted activities like I'm not there to do that I don't I don't have my fun resources in their home so yeah. <laughs> so what do we do <laughs> yeah so I think there's you know there's a lot of different strategies that we can pull from and I think that um one of the things that is tripping all of us up right now is 
not trusting that we know what we're doing here. <laughs> you know, like the technology adds this component where you're like, ooh, uh, I don't know. And then you freeze and then you're like, I don't know how to do this. But like, yeah, you do. Like, you know what to do with a wiggly kid. The difference is the screen. And so if we can get past that and see, okay, what would I do if there wasn't a screen here? But let's say maybe you had a kid that wouldn't let you touch him. So you couldn't do those deep pressures and like, oh, let me, let me help you. You know, not that we're manhandling, <laughs> but like if you didn't have that, but you had mom there, you'd say, hey, would you like sit him down on your lap and like, let's try this and here, um, uh, grab that blanket and like, here's how to do a little, little wrap up. You know, let's see if we, he wants to do a burrito. So you think about the things that you would be doing normally and then kind of coach the parents through that. Um, but in addition to that, we also have the ability to use our screens to our advantage. So we have, you know, fun YouTube videos. We talked about YouTube on yours. And I know some people are having tech issues with YouTube, especially if we don't have enough bandwidth. Um, but if you do have access here, let me see if I can share my screen. Okay. Can you see my screen? Yes. Beautiful. Okay. So this is our teletherapy resources Pinterest board over on Pinterest. So if you're on Pinterest, just go to SLP solution. We've got a ton of really fun stuff in here, but I'm going to pull up my favorite guy. Um, this is a baby Einstein video and I should have queued this up. This might have an ad. We'll see. Um, yep. It's an ad. So I've, next time, queue it up. Hang on. Next time, queue it up before. Um, but this, I love this because it's got fun music. And it's got fun graphics. That classical music continues. But like you were talking about the cortical vision. I love the baby Einstein because it's got a contrasting background so many of the times. And, and you can pull up to a different section if you're like, oh, this would be better for my kiddo. Or like there's this weird one. Oh, that would be perfect. Right? And they're like, ooh, wait, what's that? So then that's just that little thing to grab them back. And then you can stop sharing that, come back to you and be like, okay, now we're gonna, we're gonna try our mm sound or we're gonna take a bite or whatever it is that you're working on. Hang on, I have that still going in the background and it is incredibly distracting. There we go. <laughs> like, Whoa. so anyway, like you can use YouTube videos and that kind of stuff to keep them engaged. I also have my bag of tricks here. This is right okay. here. There we go. So I've got a big old basket next to my. I want to touch that cube with all the things sticking out of it. Like instinctively, I'm like, oh, I need that. Yeah, that's fun. So many fun things on this one. It's got lots of buckles and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can just grab something if YouTube's not working and be like, oh, look at the balls. All right. You know, just something to get them engaged. Um, you can also get them up. So, you know, we can, we can push our chair back and we can do some jumping songs and we can do some movement, you know, the same stuff you would do in your session. You're just going to get really ridiculous and do it on your screen. I like this ball a lot too. This is my favorite. Oh, that's fun. This is my magic ball. Anytime I'm in therapy with any kid ever, this works. Put it on my head. This is called a Hoberman sphere. If anybody. Okay, wait, to. say that again. Hoberman sphere. It's a, it's a science term, I think. I'm but adding yeah, these things are super fun. You got to get the big ones. The little ones aren't as fun. The big ones are better. So yeah, I've got, I got all kinds of tricks over there. You can juggle scarves. I can't juggle, but it's hilarious to watch me try. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, just think about, you know, you would do all kinds of crazy things. You'd be on the floor with them getting, moving around. You wouldn't just be sitting here going, and now we're going to do a worksheet. So 
think about the things you would normally do with that client and then figure out how to tweak it for the screen. Okay, so one of the things that, um, that I have had a lot of parents switch to, like when we first started doing it, like we were doing it with them on their laptop. And that's hard because the kids move. So like the parents put it on their cell phones and like we would do um, narrative play because I do a lot of first person narration. Like, I, look, look at me, mommy, I did it. And like, you know, we're like climbing upstairs because I try to, I, I can't sit still. Lord help me, I can't sit still. I can't still. either. <laughs> so this is like killing me to like sit still where I'm like jumping around. But um, that's help. But I had not thought about doing the interactive songs in the sense of like me getting on and acting them out too. I'm going to have to move the kitchen table now. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, yeah. you wouldn't be sitting at the table if you were doing therapy with this kid in person either. So yeah. you, you know, get, you get on your phone and, and do some stuff where you can move around or go outside and be like, Oh my gosh, look a duck. I don't know. Do you have ducks in your neighborhood? I have geese. No, have, um, Chewbacca would eat them. He's <laughs> He's a German Shepherd black chow. I'm sorry. I have a very big dog. So. And you know what? I bet your kids would love to see your dog. Oh, they would be yeah. like, what? That's the coolest thing ever. Dog has crashed a couple parties um, and informed us when the Amazon guy has come. And um, that's been, um, but I, you know what I have found? The total disasters, the things that I think are a total fail on my part because it happened like one of my children coming in the screen behind me because they needed their 15th snack for the day. And like all of a sudden the kid who didn't want anything to do, they heard another child's voice and is like whipping around. And I think one of the parts that's been really trying on my soul this entire time. And I was telling my husband about it. I feel like my definition of professionalism for teletherapy during the pandemic is very different than my definition for professionalism during a regular speech session. Like yeah. I would not have been okay going into someone's home and like bringing my kid with me. Right. I mean, like I actually have done that once before, but it was for a two year old that I could not get to talk. And I was like, he needs a peer. And I brought my kid and he started talking and I was like, ah, go team. Nice. One nice. exception to the rule. But like those disasters so to speak of like my dog losing her marbles and like they've turned out so good. Yeah. Okay. So I, I have so much to say about this. First of all, okay. I have had sessions where like my baby had to be there. Cause like we didn't have anyone to watch the baby and I was in private practice at the time. So, you know, it was, I called my client and was like, I got a baby, like we can cancel or we can just come in and you can help me take care of the baby while we do therapy. And they're like, yeah, baby's great. You know, like nobody cares. And so baby was there and the kid thought it was amazing and was talking to the baby, you know, but okay. Think about one of the best strategies that we can use with young kids is sabotage, right? Is where you're yeah. doing this situation and you sabotage it on purpose so that they have to ask for something or they get confused and are like, wait, why didn't you give me a spoon when you gave me cereal? You know, sabotage is a great tool. We can sabotage ourselves too. <laughs> so if you, if your child, you know, if the child you're working with is expecting you to be sitting there at your computer and you say, oh my gosh, the dog, we got to find the dog. And you're walking around the house and you say, I need your help. Can you, uh oh, are you still there? Yes. Okay. I don't know what happened there. That was weird. Um, but then you say, you know, oh, I need your help. Can you call to the dog? His name is, make up a name. It doesn't have to be dog. your dog's real name. Whatever sound you're working on. Yeah, dog. And then have them ask for the dog. You know, like we can, we can use those disruptions and those, 
those normal, like situational problems as these sabotages to get our kids interested in talking. And like you said, kids love looking at other kids. So if your kids come in, be like, come on, come on over here. We're working on the buzz sound. Let's make some buzz. Or can you show them how you take a drink of water? Okay, we're all going to take a drink of water. Let's do our drinks, you know? There's so much that we can do with that. Yeah, but I got my mason jar too. <laughs> I liked you. <laughs> uh, but you know, if you if you think about it, this is the same kind of thing of where we would um, we're second guessing ourselves because of this new situation of the technology. If you were in a client's home and you were working with, let's say, an 18 month old and his three-year-old sister walked in the room, you know, and the mom's like, oh, I'm sorry, like, oh, we're supposed to be having this session, and you're like, it's cool, we got it, you plop her down on your lap, you hand her a toy, and then you involve her in the therapy, because that's just what we do, right, like, you wouldn't even think anything of it, but since we're on this, like, teletherapy thing, and everything feels weird, our three-year-old walks in the room, and we're like, ooh, sorry. <laughs> I've had the, I've had the proverbial booty call, where the little one, he's, the little one is learning how to wipe and out of nowhere, I hear, can you help me? And I'm like, <laughs> you're five years old. You can do this. And like, it's mortifying. And the moms, because the moms, because all moms are in the same boat, they're like, I totally get it. You, you can yeah. go take care of him. Cause I mean, like, honest to gosh, he's so stubborn. I think he would have sat there for the next 45 oh, yeah. minutes. He's like, would. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. for sure. Yeah. Or come running into the room naked and then be like, why my butt? Like that's what would have happened at my house. But yeah, no, I mean, when you, when you have those real moments that makes the other mom feel better or dad or whoever, you know, cause we're all feeling like we're a hot mess right now. And I can't stand anything more than all of the, the moms on Facebook that are like, this is the most wonderful blessing props to you if you think it is a blessing because that means you are like at another level and that's amazing but most of us feel like we're falling apart so if your house kind of looks like it's falling apart that's going to make that other mom feel a little bit better about her house falling apart so it's okay <laughs> and um yes and that's Wednesday, um, South Carolina Public Schools announced that schools will be physically closed for the remainder of the year, but we are expected to continue homeschooling them for another six weeks. And I, I broke, I broke because it's so hard to juggle and we're all in the same boat, the child's responsibilities and our own. And I'm also on the receiving end of teletherapy for Bear. So I have to juggle his speech therapy sessions with my own patients' speech therapy sessions. And it's very different when you see how another clinician, and he's an R kid, he's an R kid. I, I don't do articulation therapy. So if you're out there doing articulation therapy and you are working on the R sound, I, God bless you because that's so, and I don't even know how to like, I mean, I know I did this in grad school, but like, I don't know how to tell him where to put his tongue. I just kind of say the word, but yeah, that's, yeah. Yep. It's hard and everybody is feeling it and nobody wants to be the mom that comes out and says, I'm struggling. This isn't working. I feel like a failure. And I guarantee you that at some point, even those moms that are like, this is such a blessing, they still feel like a failure at some point because we're all on this crazy, weird roller coaster. And I guess I should say too, if you're listening to this after coronavirus is gone and you're not dealing with a crazy worldwide pandemic, <laughs> you still have, I mean, 
I felt like a failure a lot of times before Corona, you know, that's nothing new. <laughs> they, there's still this level of like, uh, this is hard, you know, taking care of a kid, especially a kid with special needs. It's hard. So yeah, that's kind of where I am for that. Um, we had a really good question come through. Um, what do you suggest when they have a younger brother crying and the child you're supposed to be working with could care less about the computer? I've been doing parent coaching, but not sure how much I can say. Um, I'll let you go and then I'll add in my two cents. How about that? Yeah. Okay. So I, I like to look at this from the parent's perspective. Like, how is that mom feeling right now? She's trying to focus on you. She's got a little one crying and she knows that you want to talk to this one, but he's not engaged. And so she's like trying to take care of the crying baby and get that one engaged. Honestly, if I was that mom, I would love for you to be like, you know what? Let's try again later. This is fine. It's okay. It's okay that you can't get your kid to sit here. Cause I, as a mom have been that mom that's like, uh, my kid won't sit at the computer for your call. So sorry. <laughs> and I think it feels awful, but it, it would really help for the mom or the dad. I keep saying mom, but for the parent to hear this is okay. It's not going to work every time. Um, you know, you can say, do you just want to hop on an audio call and then you can walk around while you're rocking the baby or whatever, or do you just want to stop for now and we can try again later? Honestly, that's what I would do when you're in the middle of that kind of situation. Cause you can't make progress like that and you can't physically help. You can't say, let me hold the baby for you for a minute. You know, instinctively what I would do if you were there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have had to get creative with my time changes. And that's something that's been trying to do the juggling of homeschooling and then the therapy sessions. Um, and also I've had to shorten the expectations for the duration of a therapy. Like I was used to doing hour long sessions and that's not possible. Like I, I can't make that happen now. Um, I, it's asking too much of both parties. So most of my sessions are about 30 to 45 minutes. Some of them, especially like I have one little one that's going through eye gaze AAC trials. Um, I have, yeah, eye gaze AAC trials. I, I can't cool. physically be there to help, right? Also, if, if you're in the area, talk to me technologies. Their customer service support line is amazing. Nice. But, um, uh, but that's an unrealistic expectation for me to do a teletherapy session for an hour. And that, and the reason this pops up, that little one actually has a little sister who cries um, and gets upset when, cause she's a tiny human that's also teething. So a 15 minute chat on, okay, what works, what doesn't work? How can I help you? And sometimes it's not even me. Like I can't be there to program. I can't get into the device. I've had to call customer support to have them log in to help them undo when there's a jam or they need something else uploaded. But, um, and so like shortening, alternating time, especially around their nap times or siblings yeah. nap times. Yeah. So, um, Celeste, great question. Um, and, but the, the parent coaching part, I feel like before I became a mom, I would give a family, here are 14 things to do. And then you're a mom and you're like, yeah, I can do one thing. Mm -hmm. And then now I feel like we're on a maintenance schedule and it's like a half of one thing, maybe a five degree change. And that's all we can ask for a week. And that's okay. So if your coaching looks like that, then yes. 
Also, Susan um, shares that she has birds and the squawking in the background that brings the tiny humans joy. And I think that is fantastic. It's amazing. I yeah. love it. Yes. I saw, I saw there was a question for samples for real teletherapy for kids. Do you want me to pull up some stuff and, and yes. play pretend? <laughs> Should we play pretend? I will, right. I will play pretend. Okay. Let me, let me uh, share my screen. And Celeste piggybacked on that question. How much time do you spend using boom cards versus real object with children that are engaged with the computer? Okay. I will say before this whole thing, I had never even heard of a boom card. So this is, that's all new to no. me. Um, but I will, I will show you. Okay. So this is on my membership site. That's where I am in case you're like, where was that? Um, so I'm going to pull up a resource that's a, okay. So this is an M repeating line book. This is one that I made, but you can pull up any resources that you've got. Um, teachers pay teachers, you know, free stuff that you get online. We have a ton of stuff. Um, but okay. So this is a repeating line book for M. So we're going to say, oh, we're going to do the cookies. The baby ate the cookies and the baby said, mmm, okay, watch my mouth. Mmm, we're gonna do some mmms. And then you're gonna ask mom to hold that camera right up next to the, the kid's mouth so you can actually see what's going on. If they're way back there, you have no idea. Um, and you're gonna say, okay, let's do our mmms, mmm. And then as soon as they get that mmm in there, here we go. We're popping back over to baby Einstein and we're doing some of this. Mmm, we did our mmm sound, you know, so you're giving that positive reinforcement, you're giving them something visual to keep them interested, and then you pop back over. Okay, the boy saw the cookie, and the boy said, me, let's do our mmm, listen, me, the boy said, me, and the baby said, mmm, so we're getting some mmms, and then we're going to pop back over to our video, so it's just like if you would have your um it would it's just like if you would have your whatever game or toy that the child likes and you have it in front of you and you're playing with it and then you're having them do a skill and then you're bringing it back out okay so if that's the kind of therapy that you would have done then it's like that back and forth now let's say you've got a kid that's a little bit older and is actually able to work on some more stuff with you a little bit more drill then you're gonna do this is our m kit let's pull up two words so then you're gonna say, okay, we're gonna do three words and then we'll watch our video. Are you ready? Let's do map and we're gonna practice map. So you're, you're, how much time you spend on, you know, boom cards or, or resources that are online or actual toys um, or videos, that's all gonna depend on the client that you're working with, just like it would in our regular therapy sessions. So don't second guess yourself just because you're on this screen that you're like, oh, I don't know how much of this I should do or how much of that. Well, what would you do if you were sitting in front of that child? You would try to get as many repetitions of the skill in as possible, right? And then when the child was not able to keep working because they lost interest or they're wiggling or whatever, you would bring out the reinforcer or you'd say, okay, we're going to stand up. Let's stand up and do some mm, jumps. Mm, you know, whatever you would normally do, we're going to get crazy and do that on the screen. So again, it comes back to not second guessing yourself. You know this, just focus on ways that you can tweak what you're already doing to use the screen to your advantage. Did that you, answer the question? Yes. Do you send the families this worksheet in advance or like prior, like with the session? So the way that I do homework, um, I don't send anything home until the child has mastered it with me. 
And this is for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't want them to practice it the wrong way. And if they haven't mastered it with me, they're probably gonna practice it the wrong way because those parents don't have the training that I have. They don't know which cues to give. They don't know when to say, nope, that needed to, nope, stop, we're gonna switch. So I don't want them to practice it the wrong way. Um, and I also don't wanna stress the families out. And this is during the best of times. I don't wanna stress the families out because if they feel like failures with the homework that you sent home, they're not gonna do it. So I don't send anything home until they've mastered it. So like for this one, for example, um, you know, like, let's say we're working on single words in therapy, I would send home the syllables, I'd send home the sound and syllables, or if they're kind of still iffy on syllables, then we're going to go back to isolation, we're going to send home isolation. I want them to reinforce the skill that they already learned with me so that I can work on the next skill. And that's going to help reinforce those brain pathways that are forming for the new skill um, by reinforcing it over and over again with the correct way to do it. So I forgot what your original question was. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you send it home in advance? But you answered right. it. Send home yeah. what they've mastered after they mastered it with you. Yes. Yeah. So if we do, let's say we do M words today, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this kid's a rock star. He did all these M words. It was no problem. I didn't have to do any special cueing. He just rocked it. Then yeah, I would send this home. And so you can save this as a PDF and send that to them directly. You could just take a screenshot, which if you're on a PC, it's that button that says PRTSC. You just hit that and it copies it and then you can paste it into a Word document or a Paint document or something like that. Um, so you could just take a screenshot of whatever you were working on or you can actually send them the worksheet. Um, or you can just say at the end of your session, you can just say, hey, he did really well with M words. Can you guys practice a whole bunch of words that start with M this week? Just whenever you get time, just practice those. You know, try to make it as simple. Like you're saying, they, they can't, they're not going to go through this whole kit, you know, like they're going to be able to do one thing and they're going to try it really hard and it's going to get, it's going to happen maybe a couple times a week, you know, so just keep it simple. Yes. On the receiving end of this, I really like this approach and acknowledge that like, especially a new sounds are hard. We forget how hard it is. And then when your own kid goes through it, it puts like a whole new perspective on like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to, um, let me switch over here to the, um, there was a couple of extra questions in a different front. Um, uh, I'm a public school, early childhood SLP working with 64 developmentally delayed preschoolers who are in self-contained classrooms in a low socioeconomic area who don't all have access to computers and dealing with English and Spanish help. Number one, whatever you're doing right now is amazing friend. It's amazing. Um, my first thought is uh, you're going to need to seek guidelines. Actually, wait, um, we have a director of special education who's going to be added to the lineup for talking teletherapy in a couple of weeks, because I wanted to talk about what are the considerations or ramifications behind the scenes, because it's unrealistic to meet all these kids. Um, yeah. I mean, so here's, I, yeah. Here's what happens is your job moves from therapist to advocate. At this point, yes. you have to be an advocate for your kids, because number one, there's no way for you to see that many children via teletherapy sessions while still trying to maintain your own sanity in your life. That's not possible. There's not enough hours in the day. Number two, those kids, half of them can't even access the technology that the whatever school district is trying to use. 
Um, and number three, they're not appropriate for teletherapy. Like some of those kids literally are not as appropriate for teletherapy. And yes, you could do some parent training if you could get a hold of them, but that goes back to number two, you don't even have access to them or you don't speak their language even. You know, you said there's some Spanish going on. So at that point, your job is to be going to your administrator and saying, hey, I just wanted you to know that this number of children are not receiving their uh, minutes as per their IEP. You are providing education services to the rest of the children in the district and you are not providing any services to these children because of X, Y, and Z. It is not possible for me to do this, blah, blah, blah. You're giving them all the reasons why this is not happening and you are doing that in writing because that's, <laughs> yeah. how, that's how you save your bottom. You're email. email, yes, email it. Um, email a lot, like multiple times. You know, if you if you get a communication verbally from an administrator and they tell you something verbally, you send them an email that says, hey, I just wanted to confirm that conversation we had today where you said blah, 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 and you've documented in an email, even if they didn't want it documented in the first place. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I hate to be kind of, it's not us versus them. That's not the way it should be. But when we get through this, there's going to be some due process cases and you better believe that you might be a part of those if you're in that kind of a situation. So number one, you got to protect yourself and your license. So document that you are advocating for these kids. And number two, we all want to help these kids. We don't get into this profession to make a lot of money, obviously, especially if you're working in the schools. You are, you are in it to help those kids. And so I know each and every one of you want to do what's best for your kids, but if you are in a situation like that, you can't. So you become an advocate and you document your advocacy, your advocacy. And, but to piggyback on the, some children are not appropriate. I have, when you're looking, if you're treating feeding and swallowing, cause I'm in the early intervention world, but my early intervention, I take them up to, some of them are in school, but they tend to have the more severe and profound disabilities. Some of them are not appropriate and you just need to convey that. But you also need to convey that to the pediatricians so that the pediatricians know that, hey, during this time period, I can't do feeding therapy with a known aspirator that has underlying cardiac respiratory conditions. And so it's not safe. Um, mm -hmm. If there's a change in status um, and also check your, um, check your state regs. Some of the states, South Carolina included, have, uh, for those that are not appropriate for therapy, they have set up um, telephonic consultations. So that way you can just kind of keep a pulse on the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and Different states have allowed Facebook as an approved, um, not Facebook, FaceTime as an approved um, communicator. That way, if they have that, you can at least get a little bit of a visual feed on it. Uh, and it's not a therapy session. It's just a consultation. It's a, hey, uh, what's going on? Do we need to get you to allergist ENT? Can we at least get the referral process going? Are you seeing a change in baseline? So not appropriate for therapy, but you're still involved in advocating. And again, if you're in the public schools and you can't do call the pediatrician, you're a nurse yeah. so, or yeah. psychologist, but, um, yeah. And just being able to make sure that, that the administration knows because they are overwhelmed right now. They're trying to figure out how to get, how to turn an entire brick and mortar school into an online school like that and there's a lot of pieces that are going to fall through the cracks and our kids are going to fall through the cracks so our job becomes making sure that we do everything we can to try to fill in those cracks 
not that you need to be staying up at all hours of the night trying to get your therapy done. You need to stay sane too, but you need to be bringing it to their attention so that they know, hey, we have three deaf or hard of hearing children in our district and they can't access the online materials that um, include audio. And, you know, they can't, you know, maybe you have a sign language. I saw somebody that's like a sign language teacher and she's like, they can't see all the signs that are happening because it's so small on the screen. You know, so if you have kids that can't access the stuff that is being sent out by the schools, again, that's your job to just say, hey, administrator, this kid isn't accessing the, the curriculum and we have a legal obligation to make sure he does have access to the curriculum. I don't know how to fix that. I just think that you should know. <laughs> See, and that's why I was like, we need a special ed education person. Yeah, we need I'm glad a, you're doing that. Yes, because I want to, I mean, and it's not, and you hit it on the, it's not an us against them because they got into education to help too. Right. And so <laughs> it's, just it. that, it's just that they moved up the hierarchy and the food chain where they have to make the tough calls and better them than I, because I'm a bleeding heart, right? Like this is, yeah. this would not be good, but. We, we need that. Okay. I have to put my readers back on because it's the end of the day and my contacts are tired and I saw you laughing even though I'm looking around the questions. Okay. So, um, this is a, uh, all right. We got a couple of questions. All right. Um, I have a kiddo who may be napping at session time. Mom will ask me, I need 15 minutes to start the session and 10 minutes is getting them up to attend to the tech stuff. And somehow I end up spending a good chunk of time doing that. It's messing up my schedule to accommodate. And I'm not really sure how I can bill for the technical difficulties. Oof. Mm. Oof. I would say try to reschedule, you know, like you were saying, Michelle, that you kind of have to work around the schedules of the families. And yeah. I know that is not ideal. Um, and especially if you have all EI kids, then they're all napping during yeah. that middle of the day chunk. So you've got very limited time. Uh, but again, do what you can with the time you have. But if you have a family that you're consistently not being able to really see them because of that weird scheduling issue, or you have kids that can't get into a time slot because their nap times are, you know, all the, all your non-nap times are full then that's where you're going back to your administration and saying, okay, what can we do? Or you're talking to that mom about, hey, I know this has been really hard. Is there a way we could just do a phone call and we could just talk about some strategies and we could just touch base or maybe like one direct session a week and another one that's phone call, you know, try to kind of be creative with the scheduling on that. Okay, what about testing? Are you doing, like, are you, yeah, I know. That's exactly how I feel. Like, Okay, so we not whiskey. I don't. Yeah, no, definitely water in my mason jar. That's all right. There's a good, there's a good Hendrix gin upstairs waiting for me in about forty five minutes. Yeah, um, but but um, testing. So let me preface this with different states have created policies. So first and foremost, please go back to your either Department of Education or your HHS, whoever is authorizing. So. Several states are in several, and then it gets into, is it private insurance or Medicaid? Okay. Those are other um, legal framework concepts that we have to have out in the open. Um, a lot of Medicaid's and a lot of private insurances have given a three-month extension. So basically, you get one more plan of care if you're in private rehab to continue. Okay. Um, and but not all insurances are doing that. And a lot of private folks are still seeing their numbers tick up 
And then within the public schools, you're on a mandate when that referral is made as to when you're supposed to get those evals in. So are you doing testing personally, Carrie, or like? I am not, um, but I have also, my private practice has always been non-insurance. I've never taken insurance. And so um, my evaluation process looked much different because I didn't have to worry about, you know, like which numbers people needed. And so I always did more informal evaluations anyway, where it was a lot of talking to the parents and seeing what the concerns were and just, you know, observing the child and seeing like, hey, I think I kind of have a hunch here. You know, it's more like when you're doing assessment through therapy where you're like, I have a hunch that if I told you to do this, we could, oh, oh, no, that didn't. How about this? You know, so I'm that's always been my style. Um, I have heard that some of the testing companies are starting to put out resources that are helping with this. So like some, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think maybe Pearson has a list on their website of which standardized tests are okay to do via teletherapy and which are not, because that's something you need to look at. If you're doing a standardized test and you give it via teletherapy, it may not be valid. So you could do the test and you could report your findings, as in you could say the child uh, struggled with this, this, and this, the child was able to do this, but you can't report the score because it's not valid because you didn't administer it in a valid standardized method. So um, I know some of the testing companies are saying which ones can be used that way and which ones can't. So look at, look at the individual tests that you want to give. Um, and then Q Global was one that was brought up in my membership site where somebody said that they are putting all their stimulus materials for the test online. You still have to go buy like the, what do you call the card where you fill it out? Protocol. There we go. Okay. Um, you still have to buy the protocols. But if you're administering it online, you can use their online stuff. So I think some of the testing companies are helping out with that. Um, but you may just want to look at how you can get a little more creative with this. Can we do a play-based assessment, quote unquote, where you are watching the child play with the parent and you're taking notes or you're saying, hey, mom, ask him this question or, um, you know, give him this direction or, or give him this two-step direction and let's see what he does. Or more parent report where you're saying, if you ask him to go get his shoes and then go to the car, does he do that? You know, so you can, you can kind of get a little more creative with it and make it a little more informal if you're not under a regulation where you have to have certain standardized scores. Um, somebody piped up that they use the real three because it's a lot of Q&A. Um, I almost exclusively use the Rosetti, <clears throat> which is not a standard. It's, it's scaled, but a lot of the, even the older kiddos that I see are still functioning kind of three and under. Yeah. Those so, criterion reference are great for this because yeah. they don't have to be administered standard. It's just a, it's basically a big checklist, you know, where you're like, can they do this? Can they do this? Can they do this? And then you just have a nice report of what they can and can't do versus saying he's at the 63rd percentile. And you know, that yeah. it's a little different. Also, y'all, just as an opportunity, please check out Ash's position statement on the PLS-5. If you have not seen their position statement on the validity, specificity, or sensitivity, I would highly recommend you peruse that so that when you do go back to using standardized assessments, we find one that's closer to the child's actual um, skills <laughs> as opposed to being one whole standard deviation almost above. That's up, but the position statements there with the research to support. Go. Yay, go team! Okay, I have had um, 
Uh, Rosetti allows for parent observations. Never mind, you just mentioned it. Deborah, I like what you're thinking. <laughs> okay, um, now I have had a colleague who got really creative and she went and she sat in the patient's front yard, <laughs> loved and masked. And um, also there is a student that created a mask that um, allows for cutout of the mouth for deaf or part of hearing friends which I, I think it's wonderful that that was created and I hope to see that. See, there's beauty in the ashes. That's a beauty that we need to keep up. Okay, so um, squirrel, but yes, she sat in the front yard and I thought that was wonderful. Yeah. Um, I know you, we had the questions that you gave me, but some of these are such great questions. I don't even remember what questions I gave you. I've just been winging um, it because this we, is how I work. This is how my it, brain works. Likewise, likewise, yes. <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. These, we'll just kind of keep going with these because these Bye. are so, okay. She says, thank you for validating my feelings. Um, we've just been feeling so guilty. Yes, honey, we are, we are all stressed to the max. Yes. You are in with the right company. Um, mm -hmm. not currently evaluating, but, um, you're struggling ethically. Okay. So one question about signatures. Okay. So how do you get signatures when you're doing this? I have not successfully been able to get a single signature and I'm admitting that and I feel like a failure. I have not had success in doing this. However, what? what are we talking about? Um, certain companies require signatures for completion. So like I bill through clinic source, I can pull everything up. Um, I'm biased. I love them. Like, I mean, I've, I've admitted that in prior episodes. Um, I can pull it up on my cell phone and, um, have them sign right there, date, stamp, timed that I was present for the session. Um, but I have no way of doing that. The only thing that I have is the email showing that I sent an email inviting them to the meeting. And that's all that I have. I can't get signatures. I've had some families that, um, or some colleagues that have sent um, a, a piece of paper to the family and ask them to print and sign and scan it back. But that's assuming that they are tech savvy on their end. Yeah, which is a lot. That's asking a lot. So there are some signature types of um, programs where you can get someone to sign a document and I'm not going to be able to think of any of them off the top of my head. I know we use Adobe. Um, but like, I mean, when I need a contractor to sign a document, like I can send something over via Adobe and all they have to do is click and it fills in their signature. And then that's valid because it's through that system. Now, I don't know if those are HIPAA compliant because these are things I use with my contractors, not clients. Um, so that might be an option if you look into some of those. I'm also wondering if there's some sort of like back end of Zoom where you can be like, we had this call, here's who was logged in or something. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Mary just sent out DocuSign and um, DocuSign. Um, Mary and Miss um, Whitehead Wellness um, app called Sign Easy. Y'all, those are brilliant. And this Great. is how my brain works. I'm a visual learner. I'm going to take a picture of that and like I will remember that. <laughs> yeah, I would say look at some of those because those are really easy because it's like you just send them a link and then they go and like click and it's it you don't have to be tech savvy. Um, so yeah, I would also whoever is needing the signature, I would contact that company and say, hey, we're doing online therapy. 
it's really a struggle to get this. Do you have any alternate ways that we can prove we had a session? Because you're not the only ones dealing with this. I actually heard this in my membership too. And this was one of my, my suggestions is go to those, those insurance providers, the payers, whoever, and say, what are all the acceptable ways that I can prove that this session happened? Tell me what, tell me what your list is. Cause they've probably got a list right now because they probably are getting this question a lot. Um, and then hopefully that will, that will give you some ideas as well. Perfect. Um, oh, somebody asked us to repeat them again, DocuSign and an app called sign easy. Okay. Um, and then, um, uh, whitehead wellness. I don't know if to call you Mrs. Or Mr. But I'm going to go with the Mrs. Cause statistical probability. Sure. Um, uh, one of the big questions, can we bill for swallowing therapy sessions? Check your state, check your state. Um, the state of South Carolina only gave us access to one CPT code to do all therapy for the duration of the pandemic. Um, and we were in a unique position where we had advocated for several years to even get access to all of the CPT codes. So we were only a year and a half into even having access to 9526 and to um, uh, 92607 and 92609, which I think were the codes for speech cool. generating devices. Yeah, so that was that was a lot of work. This is why we joined our state associations, man. Um, but uh, yes, so I mean, as far as your most medically fragile patients, I myself, it borders down to ethics. It borders down to, do you feel safe treating that patient in this setting? I have a couple of patients that I said, no, I cannot ethically treat you because you are so high risk. So I put them on like a maintenance program, like do this and we'll touch base in a couple of weeks. Like do this and we'll touch base over the phone in a couple of weeks. But um, and I gave them a resource to go to the outpatient clinic attached to the hospital, which nobody wants to go to, but it's the only people that are currently doing face-to-face. -face. So I've done everything that I can do to set that child up for success. I mean, my other patients that are, um, that have oropharyngeal dysphagia and we're moving towards PEO or, and I felt more comfortable with, yes, I have. And you can. Um, Asha actually has a lot of resources on feeding and swallowing therapy. Um, Liam Porter's doing one specifically on dysphagia. It's in adults, but it's specifically on that. Um, and there's resources out there, but it gets down to it's a case by case scenario, in my opinion. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I'm wondering too. I don't do much swallow. I don't do any swallowing therapy. I don't know why I said much. <laughs> But I'm wondering too, if it might be a situation where your therapy, quote unquote, is you checking in with that parent and saying, okay, we're, we're maintaining the status that he was at. So if he was just, you know, this type of input, then you're checking in regularly and saying, how's he doing with that input? Because like you just said earlier, Michelle, you have a client who's regressing. Uh, there's lots of kids that the stress of this is too much and they're going to lose skills. So yes. if you're talking to that parent and she's like, yeah, you know, we're still doing the semi-solids or whatever. And, you know, there's been a lot of coughing, but I think he's fine. And then you're like, whoa, whoa, that's a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> like, so maybe your therapy is just making sure that that client stays safe at that level and mm -hmm. being the one that can say, that's a red flag. I need you to go back in because something's changed, you know? So maybe you're just watching for regression or maybe you're just watching for red flags or watching for respiratory symptoms that might come up because of this, because we have the foresight 
to be able to step back and say, I can see what's happening in this picture more clearly than the parent who's stuck in the middle of this crisis at home with this mm -hmm. child. Yep. Um, the beautiful thing that I think that this has given us, I have, I have done a lot more interprofessional practice um, collaboration given the situation. Because I'm unable to hands on a patient, it's given me more time to talk to their other care team members. Like I had a 20 minute conversation today with a nurse practitioner at an ENT's office for a patient. None, none of that is billable, but it was, it was the right call to make for that kid. And we were able to fast track a couple of procedures because it's needed for that kid. But I've, I have so enjoyed that level of advocacy because what that kid really needs is a supraglottoplasty. What that kid really needs is to rule out an, a laryngeal cleft that I'm pretty confident is hanging out in there, but you know, nobody's run a scope down yet. So it's coming, but I have enjoyed that. So even if you can't physically see them, um, go for it. Um, someone asked us to see where the therapy ideas that you showed us. Um, oh, uh, it, it was your page. It was, it was on your page, I think. It's on Pinterest. So if you go to Pinterest and just search SLP solution, um, it's, I, I have it like the featured board on there. So the very first thing you find is the teletherapy resources. Yep. Um, there's some, okay. So Celeste shared a lot of Facebook groups. Um, yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch out there. Yes. Okay. So let me pull the questions back up. Um, um, yes. Somebody said that you can easily record the session with zoom. Um, yeah, and you can, you can record, you can record the session with zoom, but as I just found out, it does not mean that you're going to be able to see all of the fabulous buttons at the bottom. <laughs> so, I, wonder if they were, I wonder if they were thinking about for proving that the session happened yeah. for insurance yeah. and maybe insurance can use the recording somehow. Yes, that's, that's awesome. also an option. All right. There were so many that came up, um, in a sense that parents can access the curriculum for their students. Um, how do you convince admin, um, who is right and not right for teletherapy? Um, uh, build your case with the team. There is, um, solidarity and numbers. So if you have a special education teacher, a general education teacher, and let's be honest, parents, I have, I have a couple of parents where I'm the private therapist and there's also the school-based services and, uh, the parents are like, I'm not having success right now with what the school is asking me to do. And because I'm private, we have a little bit more flexibility. I, the, the mom doesn't even want to do therapy and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think including the parents is really smart because I'm in a couple of like moms of special needs kids, Facebook groups where I just go and ask about my own kids issues um, and I've seen a lot of moms in those groups that are really unhappy with the way the schools are, are handling this and that they're saying, my kid's not getting the support he needs and things aren't being modified and we're not getting our services and I'm going to have to hold him back next year and I'm freaking out. And so those parents, if you have a kid like that, where you're like, this kid's not appropriate and the mom knows it, but if you just pull the rug out and say, Hey, your kid's not appropriate for therapy, teletherapy, sorry. That mom that was already freaking out and angry at the schools is going to get a lot worse. So yeah. work with those parents say, Hey, 
I'm being asked to do this and I don't feel like this is going to work for your kid. What do you think? Because they might have some ideas, first of all, that could help you work through this. They're the ones home with their kid right now. Um, but they also, if they feel like they're part of that decision and that part of that team, then they're going to be a lot more willing to work with you as opposed to fighting against you. Um, and I mean, honestly, that's my advice, no matter what situation you're talking about with parents, because I feel like a lot of times parents feel alienated during this process. Um, so work with the parents, keep them involved. But yeah, as, when it comes to who's appropriate for therapy and who's not, I mean, you're the professional, not your administrator, not your special ed director. Um, so it should come down to professional judgment. We all know that's not really how it works in the real world all the time, but um, but we, know, can clean. <laughs> we can clean. pull in your data, do some sessions and say, here's how many minutes the child was actually at the screen. Here's how many um, repetitions we got at this skill. Here's how his skills are regressing because this therapy isn't working. You know, they like data. So pull some data, you know, try some sessions, even if you think it's not going to work and be able to say, we tried teletherapy sessions. Here's what happened. Okay, so we had one last question on the original list that we didn't get to in depth that we kind of started on. And it was, what do you do when your own tiny humans are super wiggly? And um, <laughs> I'm surprised that y'all lovely people can't hear the footsteps careening across the floor upstairs. <laughs> and slightly worried the ceiling fan's going to collapse, but it's fine. We're fine. I'm sorry. I'm fine. Still no, fine. So, um, how, how do you, what suggestions do you have? I love how you and I are both like, Oh God, the sun's yep, yeah. We're here. Um, okay. So like, for example, my kids right now are playing video games with daddy. We had to schedule his work schedule so that this call would work so that he could watch them and they don't get to play video games with daddy very much. This is a special thing. They play Zelda breath of the wild. It's very exciting. I'm pretty oh. sure that pretty much watch him play and then like move the little guy around but anyway it's a special thing that they only get certain times and so that keeps their attention um if I know I need to do a big work block big like an hour or two because let's be honest I'm not getting that much work done right now <laughs> if I know I need a work block then I will say okay no iPads today at all until one o'clock <laughs> and so <laughs> You kind of hold that thing that's like, this is a special thing that you don't normally get to do. And it doesn't have to be electronics. That's just my family's solution because my kids have ADHD and they're wild. And that's about the only thing that will hold their attention. Yep. Uh, but it could be a special toy, a special activity set, a special craft, a special book. If there's something that they like, remove it from them for a while and then have it ready. And then also this, this basket that I showed earlier that I'm like, ooh, using this for therapy? This is also great for, oh, you just came in the room? Here, have this pillow. Oh, that's not entertaining you anymore? Here, have this ball. Oh, you want a, you want a bell? No, not the bell. The bell's too noisy. Uh, here, a fidget toy. Have a fidget toy. So I'm pulling stuff out of here and handing it to them while I'm continuing to do therapy and talking because we all get really good at multitasking during this, don't we? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> When, when I have super diehard, I had to give a three-hour seminar to a university um, a couple weeks ago to their grad students. So my solution was I lined up, I created a barricade between the kitchen and the living room, and I put all of the children's snacks, their favorite <laughs> snacks. I mean, the stuff they're never allowed to have in the living room because Mr. Mungo, when he built our home, put carpets 
white carpet. Why would you put white carpets in a house? Why do we not just everybody get instant something not carpet? Anywho, all of their favorite snacks and their favorite juice boxes, which we never allow right there. And I was like, you get free reign until daddy gets home. And, but what I found was grace. A lot of the other graduate students were in the same boat and one of them was multitasking breastfeeding while she was on there. Oh, screaming baby. I, I always encourage if you have another tiny human and you're breastfeeding, I mean, oh yeah, go for it. If you need to, I am a CLC and I'm like super supportive, but like if you need to do that, I am okay with that. And mm -hmm. giving moms permission for that seems to be, we all need yeah. that. So, yeah, because yeah, they're like, well, I feel weird whipping it out in front of my therapist, you know, but you're like, oh, honey, I've seen it all. We're good. I have no privacy anymore. Like I'm breastfeeding and having children just took that completely away. Like we're good. It's fine. <laughs> I remember the first time I went for a wedding dress fitting and it was the first time another woman had seen me like semi-naked as she was like pinning me up. And I was like, and in retrospect, that was the beginning of the end because it just goes downhill from there. <laughs> now, once you go through the birthing process, you're just like, whatever, I have no privacy. But you don't want to make other people uncomfortable. So for those of you who are uh -huh. therapists who are not moms yet and you're not quite at our level of no modesty. Filter. You know, <laughs> that mom like hey it's totally cool and then she's gonna be like oh it's fine I just didn't want to make you uncomfortable you know so there's yeah. that all right we we had just one last question that came through my case leads decreased because some parents just don't want teletherapy yes that's okay too what marketing suggestions do you have to attract new clients I had to cut my fee just to keep some of my existing private pay clients letting people know that you're doing teletherapy yep and um thinking about what things that people actually need right now. Cause like, I'm actually really impressed with you, Michelle, that you said that you started your kid in our therapy during all this, because we stopped my kid in LISP therapy because I couldn't handle it. And so there's a lot of parents that aren't at a place where they're like, you know, I'm going to do this elective speech therapy is kind of what I consider it, where it's like, we're not quite where we absolutely have to get this done. Like my kid's six, he can still LISP a little longer. He's going to be fine. Um, but what I really probably could use right now is some behavior support, <laughs> you know, so think about like, what kinds of situations are these families in that they're going to be like, oh, you do that? Oh God, yes, I need that. And it's probably more of the like survival stuff. So like, do you have a kid who's having trouble communicating and they're melting down like crazy all day long? Like, let me do this very specific teletherapy on giving you behavior supports and I'll send you some visuals and show you how to use them in your house to, you know, make visual schedules and stuff that's going to help you get through the day during this time. So if you can come up with, with almost like specific packages where you're like, Hey, this is a package for kids that aren't talking yet, who are driving you nuts because they're just screaming about everything right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> here's, here's some uh, help for kids with autism that are struggling with the lack of structure that's happening. You know, think about things that parents are like, gonna throw their money at you for because we're desperate for that support it's probably not the list and the r's i i mean you know there's gonna be some people that are like no i got this like let's do some r work we needed to do that anyway but most of them are probably more at a survival level <laughs> yeah See, and it's funny because for me that was survival because i was finally home all day long listening to him and it was i couldn't i couldn't handle it it was like, like we gotta work on this 
I was like, we have to fix this. I can't do this all day, every single day. And so like, but you know what? That was me in survival mode. I called a girlfriend. I was like, we have to do this. And she's like, you really want to do this now? I was like, for the love of God, yes, please, please do this now. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so making it clear that you have teletherapy services, what that looks like, and then how you can help them with whatever issue they're having are or behavior. <laughs> Yes. Um, somebody just asked me for my email. I'm typing it in there, um, but it's michelle.dawson.slp at gmail. Um, so I hope that helps. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, somebody wants to know if we have a specific uh, teletherapy course for birth to three. I, I don't have a specific teletherapy course for birth to three. Um, embedded within the teletherapy boot camp that we did, we had, which was a seven hour long day course. There were some more specifics, um, but it was embedded with them. Um, yeah. I think I've, our, got, go ahead. I've got a two hour course on my, um, in my membership area. Um, but we, I mean, we talked about EI, but we also talked about the other ages too. So it's not specific to EIE for mine either. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't know one right at this time. I don't have it on our horizon. Um, let me, um, okay. So, uh, point of notes, um, uh, point of notes coming up. Um, Carrie will be back on Friday, May 8th at 5 PM Eastern standard time. And she'll be covering talking teletherapy, AAC. Um, next week, Friday, May 1st at 5 p.m., Jesse Andrix will be covering Talking Teletherapy, Beautiful Boundaries in the Pandemic. Um, Jesse was featured in the ASHA Leader, um, and she talks a lot about stress management, and she's going to have emphasis on creating a mental shift from work to when I go up those stairs going into home um, and how to set up a functional space within your home for telepractice, giving all of this. Um, so, and um, tele talking teletherapy isn't just me. This is a, this is a community effort uh, for all the speechtherapypd.com podcasters. So I'm doing the first couple, then Marisha Metz of SLP Now will be up, I think the middle to the end of June for a couple of episodes geared more towards school-based SLPs. Shar uh, Beauchart of the Speech Link will be on focusing on um, a pediatric episode or two. And then Leanne Porter, I think is gonna close this out uh, and she hosts the Speech Uncensored, and that's focusing on adults. So we're all kind of, um, uh, we're, we're rotating it around because we're adding it onto our normal weekly uh, podcast <laughs> episodes. Um, I host uh, First Bite Fed Fun Functional. It's, um, it focuses on complex pediatric cases from birth to school age ish sometimes a little older but it's for the more complex kids um you can find me on instagram and uh facebook under first bite uh carrie i love you i fan <laughs> you. <laughs> love you too oh my gosh okay where can we find you how and you have just a pretty popular podcast just putting that out there so yes got a little bit going on. Um, okay. So I have two websites. I have speech and language kids, which is where I started out. Um, that's a whole lot of free stuff. That's pretty much just all free stuff. So if you're looking for some free resources for therapy, we've got a ton of stuff over there. And then slpsolution.com is our newer site. And that is our membership area. 
So we have, um, we just passed 5,000 members. I'm so excited. We're having a big celebration next week. So we're actually going to do some giveaways. So follow me on Facebook. 5,000 members? 5,000 members in our membership. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. I'm so excited. So yeah, so we have, um, if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, it's SLP Solution on both. We're going to do some giveaways next week on starting on Monday for um, two free months in the membership. So join us over there because we're celebrating having 5,000 members. But yeah, so that's a membership program where you can come in and you can get access to our curriculum, which has uh, digital no prep kits and therapy materials. So you can use those in teletherapy. And then we just did a two hour webinar on teletherapy. So we've got that as part of the membership as well that you can watch that and that's 25 bucks a month. So we've got um, that is over at slpsolution.com. And then again, all the free stuff is over at speechandlanguagekids.com. And her podcast is delightful. It's Speech and Language Kids. And it's, it's wonderful. You have 300 and some episodes. Right, and really? I hadn't even counted. <laughs> dude, I was like, I mean, like I'm coming up on my hundredth. And this is full disclosure. I had almost finished my book and it was supposed to be done on like March 31st was my drop dead date and then homeschool. And it, the whole hundredth episode was on it. And I'm like, it's three weeks away. I gotta get done. <laughs> like the anxiety is like ever increasing. And then Darla was like, Hey, I got this idea for another podcast. And I was like, cool. <laughs> like, she did. Let's do it. <laughs> well, what's funny is uh, all of my continuing ad that I did last year, I did as many as I could from your podcast. Cause I was trying serious? to get more of the feeding stuff. Yeah. And I loved it. And then I ran out of all the ones that you had for continuing ed. So then I switched over to Diane Barr and did her course over on speech therapy PD. So I've got like so much feeding knowledge in my head now, even though I don't see those clients, but I needed to help my, my customers and my members. So I was like, I'm going to learn from Michelle. <laughs> I, well, it's, it's fun because I feel like, I feel like the podcast format lets us have the conversation style when like when I lecture live and it's a lecture lecture my personality I'm like way more focused and drill and it's like you know we go through the anatomy but this yeah. lets me do it with fun and I like that yeah and I love that I can take it on the go I literally listen to you while walking through the woods most days so <laughs> we were out in the woods together Michelle it was lovely <laughs> Normally when my family goes out in the, well, I'll just stop there. Let's just say we're a little bit more country. <laughs> so, like, some normally get shot and doesn't come back alive. <laughs> so, like, this was a state park, so I couldn't yeah, shoot anything. That's, I <laughs> it's the mason jar. Oh my God. This digressed at the end. It's definitely a Friday night. Sorry. No, you're fine. Okay. So I just have to say, um, as always from all of us at First Bite, uh, thank you for being with us the last two hours and we are all stressed and we are all running on fumes, but I wholeheartedly wish y'all joy laughter, stunning sunrises and sunsets, maybe on a walk in the woods without murder, um, <laughs> models, little ones that smell like grass, and warm cups of tea. Um, there is, there's a lot of beauty to be found in this great pause, and we just got to look for it. So um, thank you for spending your Friday night with us. And um, Carrie, thank you. Please tell your husband, thank you for Zelda. Um, and um, we will, uh, we'll be back next Friday. So there it is. Thank you guys. Bye. 
Hey, we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Talk and Teletherapy. SpeechTherapyPD.com is running a promo right now. So if you're interested in a pod course subscription to one of our fabulous lineup of podcasts, be sure to plug in our promo code TALKING20 for $20 off a pod course membership. Thanks again for joining us for Talking Teletherapy. Please visit our website, speechtherapypd.com backslash teletherapy for information about upcoming episodes and webinars. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. Thanks again for joining us for Talking Teletherapy. And be sure to check me out at uh, First Bite Fed Fun Functional, a speech therapy podcast sponsored by speechtherapypd.com that's also eligible for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. Have a fantastic weekend. Bye.